You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. This is the Thunder Quack Podcast. The official podcast of Thunder Quack Podcast Network where anything can happen. So strap yourselves in and hold on to your butts. It's Thunderquack time! Hello and welcome back to the Thunderquack podcast, the official podcast of Thunderquack.com, which you can get every Friday on podcast services around the globe. I'm stealing that from Kind of Funny from Greg Miller, but... Uh, if you uh, if you don't want to wait until Fridays, of course, you can get it early on Patreon on Tuesdays, although this episode's going up on Wednesday. <laughs> Terrible episode to start this thing off. It's, it's Spider-Man's <laughs> fault, and you guys know that, but you're okay with it because uh, we'll have the Spider-Man review episode up later this week. Um, but uh, I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen. And I'm your other host, Amanda Conkin. And, uh, yes. You told me not to jump in, but I couldn't help it because... <laughs> It's a cool intro, though. It's I like fine. it. I like it. I, I yeah. I, I, yeah. We're, we're late this week. Uh, you'll actually. We, we did tell you last week we yep. were going to be late. You'll get this episode. episode. You're getting yeah. this episode on Thursday morning because yeah. I will edit the episode tonight after Amanda leaves, but I will not post it tonight because I want to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, and if I end up having technical issues or whatever, it's like I'll, I'll deal with that tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we're back. This is. Uh, our last episode in this chunk of three, so next week yeah. will be a week off. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna rank Return of the Jedi. Um, this will this is where the conversation is gonna start to get interesting. Yeah, I think the next three episodes, the, the, the ne- like this episode, like this, and, then and then the next two yeah. definitely are gonna. Mm-hmm. That's where there's gonna it's be gonna discussion. Be, mm-hmm. um, but before we get into that, let's jump into an email. Uh, the subject line for this one is arrow for once. <laughs> hey, what's up, Mike and Amanda? I have been listening to this podcast since the beginning, but this is my first time writing in. I'm like three episodes away from finishing season seven. He's talking about arrow for anybody who's curious. Uh, I can't understand why I haven't done it yet, but it's so hard because I just don't care anymore. <laughs> I am looking for some suggestions on how to finish strong and or whether it is worth it. Keep up the amazing show, and that's from that's from Sam Bonkowski. And Sam sent that to the Thunderquack email. Nice. So obviously paying attention to the fact that that's we're, like we're right shifting, now, send yeah. it there, and then we'll talk about it. And so we can yeah. talk about Arrow. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're very good at talking about Arrow, <laughs> despite Arrow not being a very good show sometimes. Okay. Um, well, we podcasted yeah. about it all weekend, though. We, we had the We had to do... Well, I mean, I did the... We both did the morning show for yeah. the... We raised funds. We do our um, almost we DC 23, TV podcasts. Yeah, twenty three hundred dollars, which is so awesome for the magic wheelchair, which is um, a yeah. like a which cool was three hundred dollars over our goal. Yeah, so awesome. awesome, great job! And when I say great job, not us. We had nothing to do with a hundred percent not that. us. Um, we showed up, and I barely showed up. <laughs> Cara was in the room singing half of the time. <laughs> I it's, don't even want to know what that sounds no. like. But, but the DC TV podcast crew—they're amazing. They yeah. let it, they um, had us on. They Andy wound up podcasting I think for thirteen hours or yeah. something like that. And because then I joined Andy them. Is- insane yeah no it's it's crazy but they they raised the money and this is it's always happened every one of these things i think from the beginning we set goals and and 
go out and reach them and it's really yeah. really cool and these organizations it's a really cool thing to be a part of and the ensemble show I always like being a part of because I know nobody on it and this was the first time that I was doing it without you Mike yeah and I was only able to come from like I only spent like an hour on the ensemble show because that sometimes can go for a very long time so I had to I was like a little late and had to leave a little early but it was, it was really nice to hear everybody else talk about all their other shows. Mm-hmm. But then everybody just sometimes talk about Arrow. And, and some people were watching it. Like, these people were there. Yeah. A lot of them were like, mm, we don't really watch that anymore. Yeah. I was like, you know that you can just throw it under the bus. We're all okay yes. understanding that, that this show is ending for a reason. So. But, but, but we, we still talk about yeah. it. Like, it's really ending for a reason. It's ending two and a half seasons late. Yeah. Um, yeah. It definitely should have ended in season five. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, it is what it is. And it's and it's we can see the light at the end of the tunnel yeah. now. And um, I was glad like, Best, best, best Sports got like, a chance to like, run a yeah. show, like, which was really cool. So that's awesome. That is kind of like, the, the, the bright spot in all yeah. of that, is that yeah. she got the chance to run a season. She didn't now. do it any worse than the previous showrunners. <laughs> so. It's true. The first half of the season was great, and yeah. I maintain that the second half is not great because they were building towards the series finale, yeah, and, then they, and then we're told, no, 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 you're going to get ten more episodes because we've yeah. got to connect it to the crossover. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I yeah, I mean like you just have to power through season 7. Yeah. Through the end of it, uh, that's what we had to do. You, you just um the the one piece of hope I'll give you Sam is that the last 10-15 minutes of oh, the oh, season yeah, quite good, yeah. are very yeah. i think they're very good i yeah, think yeah. that the, the end of felicity's story is very good it is and i also do like the flash forwards like the the parts yeah. in the future the parts in the future are worth watching through yeah. like it's a it's a decent story and it, and it has a conclusion and those yeah. characters are interesting to watch so i just watch it for that stuff and then you just sort of get the rest of it as yeah. you go so yeah um yeah the one thing about about arrow last season and the way that they're ending it that it that the longer it goes on and the more I think about it, the more upsetting it is the flash forwards and the nature of that story. Um, it, they ruined those characters for crossovers oh, in the future. Yeah. So it's like black canary. She got her throat cut and, and, yeah lost her powers mm-hmm. um and and i mean like i think they did that and then they kind of undid it by mm-hmm. giving her the digital yeah, one whatever, yeah but it was unnecessary yeah. it was they were stakes that didn't need to be raised yeah. um and the thing is that it 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 ruins her for the opportunity to go over to the flash or legends of yeah. tomorrow yeah right like these characters can have lives outside of Arrow. Yeah. But it was almost, it felt a little bit spiteful of like, <laughs> well, if we're ending, you can't play with any of our toys. Yeah. So we're going to ruin Wild Dog. We're going to ruin Black Canary. We're going to get rid of Black Siren. Not we're right, going to, yeah. like, we're going to do all of yeah. these things to make sure that you can't touch these characters after this show is done. And to me, it's like, that's yeah you're missing the point of your shared universe mm-hmm. that like you can absolutely bring this character in. i mean like it would be really interesting to see some of those characters fit in in central city or i uh, i what's the name of the ship you don't know <laughs> i can't remember right now because i haven't i've watched like one episode of legends tesla it's something isn't it named something that's like like the like a like yeah a time, it's the time something, or other, something. It's, yeah it's the time yeah. machine thing but yeah on this yeah like 
I would love to see those characters exist in those worlds. What's the Nebuchadnezzar? What's that from? That's from the Matrix. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, But unfortunately, they just kind of like burnt all of their bridges (laughs) as they went across them in season seven, which was just so weird to me. But that's Arrow. And we'll be back uh, talking about Arrow in October. So let's not belabor that anymore than we have to. (laughs) Um, Let's get into some happy news. Exciting news. Paul Rudd was announced as as, uh, joining the cast of the Ghostbusters sequel that's coming out next year. And that's the one that's already filming though, right? They're filming it right now. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I awesome. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. He's like, pretty cool. It's yeah. Paul, when you add Paul Rudd to anything, I'm like, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Because he Clueless can, all the way. Yeah. He is, he is one of those actors that he is a great comedic actor. He can do dramatic stuff if he has to. Like he is just a likable, lovable doofus every man. Unaging, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think a perfect uh heir to the Venkman oh, yeah. throne. Yeah. Uh because Bill Murray, if he ends up being in this movie, which he hasn't been announced yet, but if he ends up being in this movie he will not be in very much of it mm-hmm, yeah. with the exception of uh, if they kill him. Uh, if they kill him at the beginning of the movie, he will be in the whole thing as a ghost. I remember you saying that. Yeah. Because he said like- that. He said like after he did Garfield, he's like, I love this. I love voice acting. I do no work. <laughs> I show up. I get paid. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Don't have to be on set. Um, so, yeah, like there's a great opportunity there. I think that movie needs to just start that way with. You just him just dying and then it, being a ghost, yeah. whatever it is that's bringing everybody back together like yeah. i think it like you you start it with venkman getting killed by this demon ghost whatever it is right um and then like that's that's the 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 cold open right is is right. venkman doing whatever he's doing getting and killed. then he gets killed and like like you don't even see him die you just see like whatever is coming Somebody. towards him and it's yeah, literally yeah. the shot like closing in on him as he's like screaming like ah and then that goes into the ghostbusters logo just like the original ghostbusters movie with the librarian right and then we do the ghostbusters logo which is like happy like oh right. yeah ghostbusters yeah. and then you like smash cut to his funeral ah. because the laughs you would get from that oh my god it would be so good you just smash cut to his funeral and then you have Ray and Winston talking about like, yeah, like uh, uh, Egon died six months ago and we couldn't like it. It was so random and whatever, like inexplicable, because then you're explaining why Harold Ramis isn't in it because oh, he passed right. away. Right? right. Without having to show him. And then and then you go and now something got Venkman. Right. Something is targeting the Ghostbusters. Ooh, that's actually like a cool. That would be a a really cool cool story. So I don't know. Like this is this is a hundred percent speculation. Of course. Um, I and I can speculate on this one with full faith that Jason Reitman is going to do something awesome. So if it doesn't live up to my speculation, that's not a loss for me. It's just like, oh well, this is a story that they could do. This is this is if I were writing this story, this is what I would do. And then the like, you would have Venkman show up, and he'd be a ghost. But in the same way that like Slimer is a ghost, Slimer was a person, right? But right, then he, he becomes just, a ghost, yeah, and he's and he just became- like he's it's it's 
it's what's left. It's the it's the the psychic imprint of that person. So right. whoever Slimer was before was obviously a slob and right. Loved so food it's just like and, it's the manifestation of yeah. Who you so are, yeah. yeah. So like, what's the manifestation of Peter Venkman? It's gonna be like a sleazy. <laughs> womanizing like he's gonna be kind of gross and weird and like that's a great thing to get bill murray to do you just like have fun with that right but the other part of it is like the ghostbusters are going like well we need to figure out the remaining ghostbusters and then the new ghostbusters that will join are all going like we need to figure out what this is and stop it and we have like Venkman saw this thing that killed him before it killed him, but we can't get anything that makes any sense out of him because he's just, he's a ghost now, right? And because the rules within the Ghostbusters universe is that ghosts are just like weird. They're just like zany, kooky ghosts, right? So there would be like this push and pull of like Venkman's in there. How do we get this information out of him? And it would be a great thing on multiple watches of like going back the second time and then listening to what Venkman is saying and realizing, oh, he was trying to tell them the whole time. Oh, right, yeah. He like, just like yeah. couldn't, right? Yeah. So like I don't know. That that would be my direction with it. And I would have Paul Rudd coming in basically to replace that character, not as a literal Venkman. No, but just like as a Although you could do that. You could absolutely yeah. do that and be like, this is the son that Peter didn't know he had. <laughs> and like, he comes out of the woodwork because of whatever yeah. inheritance or whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, like it, 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 he could just be a guy who is like Venkman. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that he will be, I think that that's like, I think that that would be that makes, perfect makes pitch, sense. perfect casting for, for that. Is it a, is it an urban myth that the reason that Bill Murray is in Garfield is because he heard that it was written by Joel Cohen and he was like, I'm in the Cohen brothers. I'm in. And then realized that it wasn't actually. Cohen. No, it's not a myth. Uh, I don't, I don't know if it was the Cohen's, but it was. Jo- no, it's no, it's, it's written, by, it Joel written Cohen, by Joel Cohen. C O H E N. Not like, C O E N. So it's a different Joel Cohen yeah. from the Cohen brothers, but it's still Joe Cohen. And when you say it out loud, it's the same yeah. name, but, uh, so right, that's like actually the yes, thing. Yes, he like said he that was, in an interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's how so it happened. Funny. But that, but the thing is, like he he agreed, he signed on to do it. He got there and realized, well, it's not like I have to do anything. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, whatever. But yeah. the the reason why they approached him is because um, Lorenzo Music is the voice of Garfield in the cartoons, okay. and Lorenzo Music was the voice of Bankman in the real Ghostbusters oh, interesting. until he died. And then Dave Coulier comes in and does the rest of the real Ghostbusters. Unfortunately, he's oh. not great. Lorenzo music was fantastic. I mean, nice. like, cause that's a hard character to all of those characters. They're all four of them are iconic. Yeah. Right. Like the Ghostbusters, it's no secret is one of my perfect 10 movies. It's actually the movie for me that like I defined that phrase by it's mm-hmm. like there's nothing like you can't change anything in ghostbusters to make it better <laughs> it is exactly what it's supposed to be right like not everybody is going to love ghostbusters yeah, yeah, and that's fine like, yeah. but for what that movie wants to be and is trying to accomplish everything is exactly where what it's it supposed it's yeah. a like it's a piece of clockwork right? right like all of the gears are perfectly machined it's all expertly tuned and it runs 
exactly the way it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect movie. It's like that. Shawshank Redemption is a great example of a perfect 10. Um, the first Back to the Future is a really good example. The sequel is not as much, but mm-hmm. like the original, it's like everything is exactly in its right place. And the casting is perfect. The writing oh, yeah. is perfect. The direction is perfect. The effects fit for the tone. It's all it's all perfect. Um, and then you come along and you go to do the cartoon series and it could have just been a, a cheesy. Uh, there like were a lot of cartoon adaptations, adaptations that were terrible yeah. at the time. But the 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 team that did that, most notably uh, uh, J. Michael Straczynski, uh, who would go on to write comics and be one of the like most notable comic writers of the last probably 20 years. Um, that whole writing crew, they took it seriously. Mm-hmm. They wrote legit horror for children. Some of it being like, like Eldritch style, like Cthulhu. <laughs> like there's a, there is literally an episode where they go out on the ocean in a boat and Cthulhu comes out of the ocean and they have to fight the Ghostbusters fight Cthulhu. That's cool. Right. And like, it, like this is not stuff that is generally for kids and yeah. yet like they they managed to boil that down and use the source material and 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 treat it really respectfully um and the real ghostbusters is a fantastic series as a result nice. but uh one a big part of that is the voice cast like they mm-hmm. they totally nailed the voice cast one of the funny things about that is that ernie hudson who plays winston in the movie wanted to play winston in the cartoon he was like mm-hmm. yeah because like his career like that that was, that was the it. first real yeah. notable thing yeah. that he did so he was like sure like bill murray dan Aykroyd, harold ramus they'd been in movies already mm-hmm. they had careers like snl mm-hmm. all of that stuff right yeah. so for them it was like yeah ghostbusters is successful but we'll go on and do the next thing but for ernie hudson he was like no nah, i'm gonna milk this until yeah. it dries up right yeah. and total like more power to him if he wants to embody that character great but um his voice has so much power and he's such a good actor that they were like you can't do this we can't have you in it we have to we have to recast this character because it won't match the tone of the series like it's you like he doesn't match the rest of the voice cast and so uh, it's um, interesting. It's uh, yeah. uh, 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 Arsenio Hall oh, is the voice nice. of, of Winston Zedmore. Interesting. Yeah, I uh, yeah. It, it Ghostbusters is one of my things, cool. right? It's uh, you. Yes, you have a lot of knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's it, Ghostbusters is is the first fandom right. that I had. Right. Like right. that was I the first thing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that 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 really like that and Ninja Turtles were the first things mm-hmm. that connected with me. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I'm excited for this movie. I think it's going to be fantastic, and every piece of news that comes out just makes it better and better. Nice. Um, here's another piece of really awesome casting news: Melissa McCarthy is in talks to play Ursula in Disney's live-action Little Mermaid. Yeah, that's really cool. I great, like, right? That'd be really um, good. yeah. Another piece of news came out today. Uh, I'll see if I can find it really quickly. Talk about Melissa McCarthy as but Ursula. I also, this is my first time finding out that they're doing a live action Little Mermaid. And I mean, I guess I knew it was coming because, yeah. you know, they're doing all of them. They are this successful is be, films. This is so. going to be the most expensive one, though, yeah. right? Like water effects. Have fun. Um, 
So I'm just stuck on that for a little bit. But my one thing I will say is that one of the things that's iconic about Ursula is the character that she would like the, the the character, the real person that that Ursula is sort of modeled Model after, yeah. who is like a person of color. Right. Yeah. So I that to me, I'm like, OK, in, of all of the roles. in that. So <laughs> this news came out today okay. and I didn't add it to the rundown because it literally happened mm-hmm. this afternoon. Um, Disney's live action Little Mermaid. This is from Gizmodo. Yeah. Disney's live action Little Mermaid remake has finally found its star. Actress Halle Bailey, best known for her role on the sitcom Grownish, <gasps> has been cast as Ariel in the movie, which is expected to begin filming early in 2020. So, yes, Amazing. you're right. They did take away uh, potentially because we because we don't know who Melissa McCarthy hasn't been confirmed be yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, obviously, with this news coming out, and this is this is official. Mm-hmm. Um, so with this news coming out, I think that it's safe to say that those talks are happening, whether or not they've reached a deal yet right, is another yeah. thing. Yeah. But yes, they removed a, a person of color from a supporting role. Obviously the, the lead villain, which is a pretty big role in a Disney movie, but they've replaced that, that, uh, person of colors slot sort of, mm-hmm. they've moved it to the lead role, which Step in the right direction. Exactly. So if you're gonna do okay. it, this is the way. This is the way to make that change, right? Um, and I think <gasps> that they they they're doing this with integrity. And Aquafina has been announced to play Scuttle the Seagull, and then nice. Jacob Tremblay as Flounder. But but Aquafina is who has who has Flounder? Uh, Jacob Tremblay. So oh, the little cool. kid. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good for him. I, <laughs> nice. Aladdin was awesome. Did you see it? Of course, Lin Manuel. No, I keep wanting to go. I'm going to is go. Lin Manuel is Lin Manuel Miranda theaters. doing the music? Uh, yeah, he's gonna t- team up with Alan Menken, man. Ooh. It's gonna be such a good. I just movie. got tinglys. I know. I, uh, this is so cool. That's awesome. It's gonna oh be my good. Gosh. It's gonna be so good. Um, wow. Aladdin was awesome. Lion King looks like it's gonna be so good. It really, yeah, the more I'm seeing that, the more yeah. I'm like, it's just going to be, um, and it's, it's also just a virtuosic like art thing. This, um, this casting is great. She's so great. This Holly Bailey. Yeah. I'm excited. It's going to be a good, I'm excited to see who's Eric. <gasps> Eric was one of my yeah. first crushes. <laughs> um, yeah. Him and the beast. And Sebastian. Man, it, sorry, not crushes, but uh, <laughs> who's, who's, who's going to be Sebastian? Who's yeah. be Sebastian? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I'll I'll throw my my uh, suggestion in Ahmed Best, Jar Jar Binks. Oh, interesting. Let him okay. come and play that All character. Right. Fair, fair, um, sure. I think that would be good. Ahmed Best is a really good actor. Jar Jar Binks is a difficult character to make believable, <laughs> yeah. and believability is not the problem with Jar Jar. <laughs> that's not the that's problem fair. with that character. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I yeah, I, we'll talk cool. a lot about this movie as it goes through. Oh development I and am production and everything. so excited yeah. and here's the thing too recently what was it i think it was last weekend again i was reading too many books and then i just sort of was like i need to watch something i just need to like watch some tv rather than just read and i was like i really want to watch a disney movie and i didn't want to like, go to the theater to watch aladdin so i just rewatched beauty and the beast and i love it it's so because it's you need it to go see aladdin i know i know gotta go see it i know i know I, I definitely I'll, it's on my list for this weekend i want to go else. see it again like let's go this weekend this i weekend. don't know if that's gonna happen <laughs> but um i'll find a way to make make myself go see it i let's jump into our last piece of news and then we'll talk about uh star wars this is the best one can i announce it yeah go ahead 
Witcher. Uh, it's, I mean, this all. isn't an announcement. He was announced a long time ago. Oh, but no, that's fair. Go ahead. But it's like the first, it's the first images really of him. Yeah. Like him uh, in, in, in character, in, in the character. costume. Yeah. yeah. We saw some, we saw some uh, makeup tests yeah. a few months Which back. Which were interesting. Yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, well, like when they announced him as, as playing Geralt, uh, I was down for that. Mm-hmm. Um I only have familiarity with The Witcher from uh, from The Witcher Three, The Wild Hunt, uh, which I played f- probably sixty to a hundred hours of and did not get anywhere near finishing any of the story. Um, <laughs> but it's a fantastic game and a fantastic world. I, I'm very excited for this series on Netflix. Nice. Um, and Wait, obviously, it's be a Netflix series. Yeah, it's a Netflix series. Nice. And obviously, we love Henry Cavill. Oh. Like he's I mean, my like, like the the Man of Steel poster that I have up, like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Man of Steel is only as good as it is, in my opinion, because of Henry Cavill. Oh, hundred percent. You mess up that casting, oh, that yeah, movie no. doesn't work. No, no, no. Um, everything else in that movie is fine. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's some other cool stuff in it. Like uh, mm-hmm. Michael Shannon as Zod is also great, mm-hmm. but Henry Cavill is so at home in that role it's such a shame that dc couldn't keep it together long enough to, to actually like make actually, that work yeah um because obviously batman v superman and justice league was such a disservice to him yeah in that role um so sad. especially justice league where half of the Ugh. movie Is he's playing ridiculous. evil superman yeah. for no reason like um even I like it's I forgive so I forgive the DC a lot because yeah. I like really value those characters and I'll like get, like again I forgive them a lot but I just still sure. it makes any me chance to bit. to see yeah. them yeah yeah we yeah. talk about the Ryan Johnson film too as another piece of news yeah that it's announced that well it's the first trailer the, tra- has come the out, trailer right, for, for Knives Out yeah uh, premiered yesterday yeah um as of recording this uh, yeah. and uh, yeah I mean it looks great it's a murder mystery it's kind of like Clue but yeah. a little bit. It's not really my jam. I don't know, but I but oh, I like no. him as well. I don't like. I was talking about this earlier. I'm not like a whodunit type person. Yeah. Like I feel like I should watch Murder on the Orient Express because that came out and had a really star-studded cast. Yeah, but again, it's not my. It's not it my was jam. not well received. Oh, okay, good to know. Yeah. But yeah. this seems like a, it's like in the similar vein where it's like this just big murder mystery with all these really fancy yeah. famous people. Ryan Johnson is such an interesting auteur director because he. Most auteurs sort of have like a style, yeah. Right, yeah. that's definitely like that's what the, defines, what defines them yeah. as auteur. Yeah, but it's not with Ryan Johnson. It's not a visual style. It's not a pacing or an editing thing. It's, I think it's literally to me and how he presents characters. Mm. Um, and it's his sense of hyper reality right which is really really hard to do well i think edgar wright does hyper realism really well too and that's why scott pilgrim's so good oh yeah because yes scott pilgrim can only exist in that heightened hyper real Mm -hmm. sort of zone where you have to believe the characters but then you have to be along for the ride when they start doing video game stuff in reality right um and and uh, Ryan Johnson is sort of, it's kind of similar. Like Looper, you have to kind of figure out what the what are the common threads between Brick, Looper, The Last Jedi, and now <laughs> Knives Out, because there are common threads. But the common threads are in the weird 
reality of his characters mm-hmm. in that like they're they're believable but they are very like arch kind of heightened versions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so any one of the characters on their own you would be like okay but then you put them together and you start to go huh like it's a it starts <laughs> right. to get a little bit weird little like bit, yeah. looper you've got uh joseph gordon levitt as like this assassin who kills people that get sent back in time and you're like okay that's fine the makeup's a little weird kind of an odd choice and then you realize this is the literally the plot of the movie so i don't think i'm spoiling plus looper is super old so you had your chance but you realize oh bruce willis is in this movie as well and he's from the future and he's joseph gordon levitt in the future and he's sent back and he has to kill himself and then everything goes crazy and either of those characters on their own, which are technically the same character, you'd be like, okay, this is an interesting movie. And then you put them side by side and make them deal with each other. And you're like, this movie is very weird. And it <laughs> it's almost off-putting, but in like okay. a fascinating way that, way that like, I can, you can't yeah. look away, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's a talent. And, yeah, yeah, and like that's sort of, that's like, that's kind of his thing. Because I think that that's one of the things about The Last Jedi that like Rose and Finn, their whole story is a little bit like it's so on the nose. But but then you like you go back and you look at this is the thing that Ryan Johnson does with The Last Jedi that I love so much. Everybody else is like, hey, we're this is a sequel to Return of the Jedi, right? Like, mm-hmm. we're continuing from The Force Awakens, which was continuing from the classic trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like, we're on that zone. Mm-hmm. And then Finn goes to run off to save Rey, and he meets Rose. And Rose is like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not a character from the original trilogy. I'm a character from the prequels. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. takes him off on a prequel adventure <laughs> that happens at the same time as... Empire Strikes Back is happening with Rey, but yeah. Empire Strikes Back flipped upside down. Yeah. Where it's like... Interesting. I've never heard anybody put it like that yeah. before, but that's totally what it is. You get this prequel adventure in they the middle of the... They go off to Canto the, Bight, and Canto uh, Bight is a prequel planet. Yeah. It's it's yeah. like the yeah. music starts in, and you're like, what is going on? And then you're like, oh, this is episode two three yeah. this is the episode yeah. this is the phantom menace that's wow. like yeah and all of the stuff there being super on the nose the dialogue being very like arch and heightened and like uh, i wish i could just put my fist through this whole lousy <laughs> city and it's yeah. like what are you talking about you sound like a character in a noir film and then you realize like oh because you're supposed to yeah. and then like Ryan Johnson is a genius, in my opinion. And I know that there's a lot of Star Wars fans out there who disagree with that and think that he ruined Star Wars. Um, and and we'll get there. We have, <laughs> in, three, in three weeks, we'll talk oh, about yeah. The Last Jedi in yeah. a lot more detail. But yeah, I it, it, he does he makes really interesting choices. Mm-hmm. And uh, Knives Out looks like an excellent palette cleanser between the last Jedi and his star Wars trilogy that he's going to go off and do. Um, Cause he's got free reign. It's not Skywalker stuff. It's whatever he wants to do. So he's he going to go do a off full trilogy. Yeah. yeah. He, well, so he's producing three. He's directing the first of those three. Whoa. Yeah. 
And he gets to do whatever he wants. And he gets to tell whatever story he wants in the Star Wars universe, which like that, everybody who's like, oh, it's very obvious that Disney is pumping the brakes because of the failure of The Last Jedi. Well, The Last Jedi made a lot of money. Yeah. Um, you all that are saying that also bought it on Blu-ray. Yeah. You saw it in the movie theater more than once. Like it made buckets of money for Lucasfilm mm-hmm. and Disney. They got no problem with the financial success of that film. I, uh, they Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy in particular clearly have no problem with the creative decisions either, because they're trusting him to make more Star Wars movies. I yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, wow. uh, it, it, all of that is just nonsense. And again, we'll talk a lot more about that stuff when we get to Last Jedi. But uh, yeah, Knives Out is I think going to be a really great small film. Um, which is sort of him going back to what he does best. Um, yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm very excited for it. I cool. Uh, the last thing that I will note is that stranger things drops. Actually, it might, I'm going to, I'm going to go on Netflix. It's nine 30 right now as we record this and I'm going to jump in. Is that, is that on the other, on the East coast Then it's midnight on July 4th, which means it might be out. Oh, Spider-Man Homecoming is on uh, Netflix. Has it been on Netflix for a long time? It's, uh, at least this weekend, because I definitely saw it this weekend when I was going through Netflix to find... Nope, season three is not up for us yet, but it'll be up at midnight. I am excited. I forgot, actually. Oh, I'm I, got, I better get through excited. Lucifer so that I can watch ne- Stranger Things this weekend. I will have watched all of Stranger Things season by the next time, yeah. three by the time we were Probably me, too, to be honest. Oh, like, well, I, like, yeah, we're taking a week off. Yeah, I will definitely week. have. Yeah, if we were recording off. on yeah. Tuesday, I will have watched yeah. all of the episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If it's I have so to sit fun. and watch them on my phone while Kara watches oh, yeah. Wally Rock on the TV, yeah. I, that's what's going to happen. Because I do not want to get spoiled on anything. yeah, me either. Yeah, I, I like I lasted so long without getting spoiled on the first season. Yeah, it's just nonsense if you don't know what's going on. I have said that that is like the best defense mechanism against spoilers is to just not pay attention to it. Like, no, don't know the show at all. Yeah. And then when you're ready to watch it, just put blinders on and continue to watch it. Yeah. And then you don't remember what you got spoiled because like you weren't paying attention to it. Some people don't have minds that are made of frictionless material, such as yourself, <laughs> um, and that have to actually focus on what they want to retain. I mean, Some people are like me and it's like you walk past a crack in the sidewalk and you remember where that crack in the sidewalk is for the rest of your life like frictionless mind is a really good way of saying dumb like that no you're not i i i have said it in the past i will say it in the future you are a very smart person you are very much like crystal and i say this to her as well i'm astounded at times at how like kind of just out to lunch some of the most intelligent women I've ever met in my life tend to be. But I think that it's something that I'm beginning to realize that these are things that might actually go hand in hand. (laughs) That one of the things that makes you good at everything you're good at, it's It's tied to your ability. The woeful inability to do other things. It's not an inability because you are able to retain the things that are important. That's true. But it's frictionless. Like, (laughs) if you don't want to, it's like an egg sliding (laughs) off a nonstick pan. Like, you just, it just goes (laughs) and it's gone. So, like, I can tell you something that is totally a spoiler. And then six months from now, you can watch that movie and be like, totally shocked. And I'll be like, I literally have a recording of telling you, spoiler (laughs) alert, here it comes. Yeah. And you'll be like, oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. 
It's like that it's must a great. It's a gift, man. That must it's, be wonderful just, because yeah. like I, just, every yeah. mistake I make is locked away in my brain, <laughs> oh, and I wish I could just. Okay, I mean those that's are where specific. Anxiety comes that's from, but. yeah, those are specific things that sometimes I can't. But I think that that is sure. part of it. Is that like very specifically like I have to actively retain stuff though too, yeah. and I have, and part of it too is that stuff that people tell me slides out my brain no matter what because i'm a visual learner yeah, so like yeah. i know i have very specific skill sets and stuff but yes i guess maybe my tactic won't work for work for everybody but i do say i have to say my phrase of the week now is frictionless mind i just that's just thank you for that it's no brilliant. problem <laughs> um yeah let's talk about return of the jedi i got no segue for that i got <laughs> zero segue for that i'm like frictionless mind return of the jedi nope no nope, i'm just gonna go into it return of the jedi yeah it's your favorite, right? I, it's like coming home. Yeah. Like you turn on, and here's the thing. It's the one you've seen the most. It's the one I've seen the most. It's the one that I by far, like, all, like all, like that whole summer, like that was the one that yeah. I was watching like all, all the time. And the thing with it too is that it still feels relevant and new because in a way that the other two, there's a difference. Those four years between Empire and Jedi, I think makes a difference so in three like, years, but yeah. Three, or, three or whatever but definitely and from and from the original star wars because i did i watched empire the least so going from from a new hope to jedi there's a significant difference in just the quality of the type of film and the, also True. the the color palette of it there's just so many things going back and watching that movie that are like so comforting to me uh, and it, return of the jedi for me is is very definitive mm-hmm. for star wars and i think that's one of the things that you're probably connecting to there and it's why the force awakens cements that and it it actually does it with the help of the prequels because what you get is you get a new hope which establishes mm-hmm. the the franchise mm-hmm. and then you get empire which flies in the face of a new hope and like yeah. turns everything on its head with the sequel right yeah. and then you get return of the jedi which is coming back yeah it comes yeah. back to a lot of the the themes and a lot of the ideas and mm-hmm. and certainly like the visual aspects um you go back to tatooine yeah you have a death star like it it, it returns mm-hmm. to, to a core. new hope yeah, right yeah, yeah yeah and sort of like like reorients you to like this is what star wars is that last one was the second act and it mm-hmm. like we went to the dark place before we come back into and hope, and right? the big vi- like you have a Death Star to defeat. You have yeah. this big. It's thing. a it's a clear MacGuffin. There's no yeah. clear MacGuffin in Empire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like what what are we trying to accomplish? Han and Leia are trying to escape from the Empire. Luke is trying to become a Jedi. Yeah. Vader is trying to capture Luke. Yeah. Those are our three plot lines. And it's like one of my things with Empire that we didn't talk about this very much last week but when people go into the fact oh empire is the best empire is the best i did mention last week it doesn't stand on its own yeah the other thing is that like if you ask a lot of people to summarize the plot of the empire strikes back they can't do it yeah they'll forget they they don't summarize the plot they tell you what happens in the movie yeah but what happens and the plot those are different things right the plot of the first star wars is the Empire has a space station that can destroy a planet. Princess Leia sends R2-D2, which has the the plans to destroy the space station, and Luke has to get those plans back to Princess Leia. Yeah. That's the plot of the original Star Wars. The plot of the second... Uh, of, of Return of the Jedi with the second Death Star is the Emperor has built another Death Star. Yeah. 
we have to shut down the shield generator. We know where the Death Star is. We know what it's like on the inside already. We've solved that problem. We don't need to go into that. We need to shut down the shield generator so that we can take it out before they complete it. Yeah. That's the plot of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. There's other stuff in the movie, obviously. But that's no, but that's but what it that's is. There's the this plot. big goal at the end of it. Yeah. Empire Strikes Back has no plot. Yeah, they're just escaping. It just like, doesn't it's like you're not have going a plot. towards you're not going towards anything. Yeah. There's you have, no goal. You have three characters yeah. that are on different paths. But like emotional Luke, journeys. On emotional journeys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luke, Han and Leia, and Vader. Mm-hmm. They all have things that they are trying to do. But none of them are, there's no clear goal to it. Mm -hmm. Vader maybe has the most clear goal, but by the end of the movie, we realize his goals are actually kind of weird Weird. and nebulous as well, because what's he, join me and we'll destroy the emperor, right? So we come back to Return of the Jedi and it's like you say, it it is like going home and and like very literally Luke is back back on Tatooine. Um, Yeah. And and I think that, that that holds a lot of merit. Like that that that's one of the you reasons get why all it's so the course, good. And especially now having seen and I can't wait to do this when we've seen Rise of Skywalker and that whole yeah. story is complete. Because even just with the context of what we have now, with the two sequel movies and the three prequel movies, it has everything in it. It has like it starts out too in a way that like n- it starts in space. And that's the thing I forgot about it watching it again. Like this, because mm-hmm. you know, it just like lives in your brain in a certain way. And you're like, I'm like, the first thing that happens is Leia goes and rescues Han. And I'm like, no, actually, the first thing that happens is you establish that the Empire is actually coming to the space date. Like you, you're yeah, actually going to get there's these, another, like, death, there's star, an, there's right? another yeah. death Star. Like you get that sort of what is the conflict like you get yeah. that first it's not just about them being on hoth and and having it right it's it's there's actually like you set up what the yeah. the evil is first and then you figure out that it's just all leading towards defeating that evil which is really cool but like you have you have awesome space stuff like this is the one where you really like you have literally the battle on the ground is tied to the battle in the air and yep. you have people commenting on both of those things. You have Tatooine, like the sand, the dusty planet. You have yeah. the you have the like this cool alien like Jabba like universe. And then you also have these cool yeah. fuzzy like it's just it's all yeah. the best parts of Star Wars. It's like the little kid in you that just looks at all of this yeah. cool stuff. And, and well, it just, yeah. And and Jedi in the end of Jedi establishes, I think one of the most iconic things about telling a star Wars story, which is having three planes of storytelling going on at once dynamic storytelling. Mm-hmm. Cause empire has that, but it's not as dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but return of the Jedi, like the end of that movie is you've got Lando leading the assault in space. Mm-hmm. You've yeah. got Luke fighting Vader and the emperor on the death star. And you've got Han and Leia, trying to blow up the shield generator yeah. and win the battle on the ground yeah. on Endor. Yeah. And that that's Star Wars when when um we get to the Force Awakens and we've got Rey fighting or sneaking around. Rey Han and, and Finn doing their thing. They gotta blow up the thing mm-hmm. to to save to to help them yeah. shut down the shield, blah blah blah. Yeah. Um you've got Rey doing her thing and her conflict with Kylo mm-hmm. And then you've got Poe leading the assault the on the Starkiller yeah. base. 
That's Star Wars. Yeah. Like that feels so definitively Star Wars. And because the Jedi story is the one that's singular. Like there's yeah. always a conflict that's really personal. And that was really cool that yeah. you keep that in Ray and Kylo, like that sort of dynamic yeah. that drives everything else. And that's yeah. the thing too with like Luke and Vader yeah. story is that that's driving a lot of the conflict that's happening elsewhere, but it's grounded and rooted in this sort of personal storytelling, yeah. this personal journey. And that's the thing that, that's, that, what the, that's, that's what the part of it. That's what the pre prequels miss on Luck, because yeah. the, you don't who are you following in the prequels well, whose story is intentionally it? the villain of the prequels is obfuscated right yeah. like he's the phantom menace yeah. it's established from the beginning that's the story that george lucas wanted to tell yeah. and for better or worse it's the story that he told right yeah. um but unfortunately what happens is then you have stand-ins for the real villain yeah in darth maul General uh, Count Dooku and then General Grievous, right? Mm -hmm. And we deal with each one of those in each movie, but there's really no stakes and there's no consequence there. Yeah. I mean, like, General Grievous dies halfway through Revenge of the Sith, (laughs) right? Yeah. And it's it's cool, but it's almost unceremonious, right? Like, Obi-Wan even kind of notes it. He's like, I used a blaster to do this. It's so gross. Yeah, yeah. he He tosses it and goes so uncivilized, which is a reference to A New Hope, but... Yeah, like it's it 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 lacks the meaning, and then you get the battle between Obi Wan and Anakin at the end, which is supposed to be our fight with meaning, but we juxtapose that with a battle between Yoda and Sidious. Yeah, yeah, which is which not, is also yeah. like like it's, just, it's you it's have too, too much of the same stuff that's not and nothing yeah. is something that's that's tying everything else the battle together between and anakin and obi-wan should have happened during order 66 oh yeah right like yeah, that yeah, should yeah. have been the way that that played out you should have killed grievous and then obi-wan finds out that anakin has done what he's done and it, it has to end on mustafar because anakin gets burnt and blah 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 so like and they, it, that all goes back to the original novelization of a new hope has almost like a flashback when Obi-Wan's telling Luke about Vader and Anakin and the, the story, like the flashback is of Vader, um, basically being like, like burnt in a lava pit. Like it's kind of, I haven't read it in a long time, so it's kind of fuzzy, but it it's all kind of like it's very similar right but it's from obi-wan's perspective and it's sort of like a half truth right yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's very clear that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own i <laughs> yes you've clearly I just it's the it's one the that, one that I use probably the most. Because it's the one that holds a little truth, where like do or do not, or like it's like whatever that's like a like a catchphrase rather than an actual. Well, it's a Taoist principle, I mean, I so, so I yes. think that any, any Buddhist listening would probably have a bone to pick with you saying it's a catchphrase. But I uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like it is the most Jedi thing I think yeah. that Obi Wan says. But it's also kind of the the douchiest thing that he says because he's like, ah, I lied, but it's not it's not really a lie if you just believe that it's not a lie. Like, well, that's no, you didn't tell him the truth. Yeah, it's, yeah. you yeah. intentionally withheld information from Luke because you thought that this would be difficult yeah. for him to to handle. But you also you put him into a situation. <laughs> 
that he couldn't understand. You let him like both Luke or both Yoda and Obi Wan let Luke go in Empire, yeah. Yeah. knowing the truth. And obviously, this is all after the fact. George Lucas was making it up as he went along. <laughs> Anybody who thinks that he like had everything written out, written oh, out, no. it's like no. Heck no. Things changed time and time again. But yeah. the Ewoks, for example, were supposed to be Wookies initially. Oh, it was supposed yeah, yeah. to be the Wookie planet, yeah. the Wookiee homeworld. It was supposed to be like Chewbacca coming home and like defending his family. We were kind of kind of get a little bit of his story there. But then they were like, like we can't make a hundred of these guys. Where are we going to find a hundred seven foot tall guys? <laughs> and then in Revenge of the Sith, they do it. But you know how they did it? CG. Five seven foot tall guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then, just, and then yeah. just different costumes and a lot of compositing yeah. and a lot of CG. So yeah. um, he was able to realize that later. Uh, mm-hmm. But And that's the only reason that Kashyyyk is in Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it, it like the these movies, uh, this these stories evolve over time and and become something else. And that story of Anakin, the original idea of Anakin on Mustafar and the lava and all right, of that, so that's and that's how Vader ends up in the suit. It was there from the onset, but it wasn't necessarily. I mean, like originally, Luke and Leia were one character, and it was leia and she was the protagonist of the story and then he split it into two characters no way really yeah oh, and cool. that's where he comes back to it in, in the third movie, in return of the jedi and that, says yeah. actually they're siblings <laughs> they're they're twins right. and that like that's him going like well originally they were one character yeah so no um because yeah like it's uh, the original cast of Star Wars in the, in the first draft of that movie is vastly different. Han Solo is Chewbacca. Oh. Obi-Wan has a lot of Han Solo's character traits of the like brashness and right. yeah. but Obi-Wan is also a little bit more like Anakin Skywalker in that way. He's kind mm, of that right, character yeah, yeah. too. Um and then there is a character in the very beginning of the story that is essentially Qui-Gon's character that we then don't meet until we go back to the prequels. Um, Luke and Leia are one character and Leia is the predominant character in that. But then there's another princess Uh who is a child that they have to protect. (laughs) Whoa. That's a mess of a, it's a, it's a, it's a, there's a comic book adaptation of it that I have that that I can dig up and you can borrow if you want to read it, but uh, it's not very good. Um, there's a there's a reason why that's why you do revisions and why you make new changed. drafts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you read through that original, so it's the comic book adaptation is an adaptation of the of the first draft of Star Wars, the Star Wars, uh, the Adventures of Luke Starkiller is the full title. But no way. Um, yeah, that stuff, all of that stuff, all of those ideas eventually make it into the movies right? through the course of the six movies that get made. Right. And then the force unleashed games where the name star killer gets applied to the hero and that story. Um, but yeah, like they, they, these things change. If, mm-hmm. if you thought that George Lucas planted seeds in a new hope, he didn't, he just sort of wrote a movie and then he wrote a movie and, and then he just, stuff. he just developed it. But you, it, it happens all the time, right? Over a certain amount of time, you have to find your way back to things. And yeah. I mean, it, it, he yeah. does the same thing with, with Indiana Jones. I've talked about this before. He, you do Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's, it creates the franchise. And then he does something wildly different with Temple of Doom. It's, 
it's the same character. It's the same world, but it's a very different type of story. There's no Nazis. There's no uh, Christian uh, imagery. It's it's actually uh, like in Indian uh, sort of mythology um, in that one. And it's it's a totally different type of film, um, even though it's exactly the same type of movie. Right. And then you come back to uh, to The Last Crusade and it's like, okay, now that we've done both of these versions of Indiana Jones, we kind of know what is and isn't Indiana Jones. And they make that movie and it's kind of definitively indie. Right? Last Crusade, the one with Sean Connery. Yes. Yeah. Um, Temple of Doom is the one with the bowler? Boulder? No, the no, boulder the is the very the beginning, beginning of, of, the whole of series, Raiders of the Lost right? Yeah, okay, cool. It's the what adventure that we come into at the end of. That he's he's just finishing that uh, that adventure, adventure. yeah. And, and Indiana then, Jones is it's not the 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 story the 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 movie that originates the idea of of in media res, but it is definitely one the, yeah. the one that made it popular. Right. Yeah. Like the reason why we get in media res like cold openings to yeah, movies yeah. is because of Indiana it Jones. Did such a because good job, that because yeah. what's the most iconic thing in Indiana Jones? The boulder scene. Yeah. The 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 bag of the sand sludge, and yeah. the, the switch and then the boulder. Yeah. Like that's a hundred percent the most iconic thing about that character. And it like it's that's the literal first thing that you Yeah. Okay. So I just I'm very sorry because people that listen to the full thing already yeah. heard me talk about how much I've been watching Lucifer. Yeah. But I have to say Perfect storytelling in the idea of being able to set a character up in three minutes yeah. is such a skill. And I will like the thing about Lucifer and the reason why I got hooked on it is because the pilot is a work of art. Yeah. Like you, the the opening for that story, even though it tells you nothing about like the actual. I didn't realize it was a procedural until well into the pilot <laughs> because I was like, oh, this is just a crime drama. Um, but the opening of it, you get so much of that character. You know, in three minutes, exactly. Yeah who that character is and what he's going to do. And I think that there's something very awesome to that. Exactly what you're talking about, that you can set something up. That's so iconic because you just, you, you in action and in, in what it is that you're trying, like you, you, you think about overall, what is the story and how can you best meet these characters? And then it's one of the things that I think Arrow has actually helped me realize is what makes good action shows. And then that's something that we always sort of talk about is that the things that are most interesting with Arrow is when they start with something. Something is happening and there's an action and, and yeah. you get the fight in the beginning and you get the fight in the middle and you get the fight in the end and there's, 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 a, there's a, a formula to that and it works and I think that what you're talking about too with, with action the way that action movies work I think Indiana Jones is a very good like that's the iconic yep way because you, you meet the characters and you learn who you are through the actions that they do and that's yeah. like a perfect example there's a, a somebody did a, a basically an experiment with raiders of the lost ark to kind of show how much of a perfect movie it is again another perfect 10 movie uh and they they took out the dialogue it's just the score they turned it black and white and it's it just score black and white picture and the movie absolutely works Oh, wow. At no point are you lost. Like it, it, the storytelling, the visual storytelling, and the and the music are so good in that film that dialogue and color aren't necessary. 
Yeah. Interesting. In order yeah. to enjoy that story. And you still get the characterization. You like understand you who, who everybody are. is, yeah. what they, and it's because, and this is where Shh. Steven Spielberg Dude, is, is no longer Steven Spielberg. He was the master of show, don't tell. Yeah. And now his movies are all tell yeah. and just showing ridiculousness yeah or like grandiose effects for this yeah well exactly right so like you're not doing anything for story yeah Yeah. you're just doing it because ready player one we can yeah iron giants in there uh the delorean from back to the future and i mean i i know that stuff is sourced from the the book but it's not actually iron giant isn't but the delorean is the DeLoreans. Yeah, it was one of the cars in it. Yeah. But I will say the biggest disappointment I have with Ready Player One is that the core of Ready Player One story yeah. is John Hughes. And the issue with adapting, you can't adapt John Hughes. It's so it's the most protected properties yeah. I think that exist anywhere are John Hughes films. Like you can't touch those things. So o- oddly the best the best tribute to John Hughes is Spider Man Homecoming. Oh, I'm like, so excited. Yeah. Well, and there's no, no, no the, to the it. first yeah, one, not yeah, far yeah, from yeah, home, yeah. Not no, one, because it's yeah, things that do really good. I also think Easy A is a great yeah. tribute to John Hughes. Like it's Easy a perfect a is like a, the, is a the ability John to like take everything yeah. that made a John Hughes movie great, but you can't actually literally take John Hughes movies. Yeah. And the problem with Ready Player One is that almost all of it relies on tropes that john hughes created like it actually like you go inside ferris bueller so the idea that it's the shining see from yeah from the i've i haven't read the book and i haven't watched the movie oh no way like the 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 movie just it it's just spectacle. no appeal no it's just spectacle because the things that are missing are the things that they couldn't they're the human element right and that's the idea exactly what we're talking about the thing that makes star wars at its core star wars is that you care about one character and their journey and what and where they're going and they take almost all of that away in in ready player one because they couldn't get to the fact that he's in love with these these movies from the 80s and knows everything about john hughes and this relates to this teenage experience and then and is in a school is in like a high school and can't get out of it and has to find a way and his his knowledge and his his nerdiness is the thing that sets him apart from everybody like you get none of that you don't care who he is at all he lives in this high-rise like like a mobile home park because they can because they can make it with VFX and it just takes away all of the core yeah. of that and also of all the choices that you could do it's because they could get the rights to all the Spielberg stuff so they use The Shining but again that's not at the at its core The Shining is a spectacle movie whereas Ferris Bueller is a movie that's rooted like you have to understand characters to remember yeah. that movie like and and also the things that like again you had to know at, one of the tropes you, in Ready Player One is that you, like you, yeah. you're the first person to get yeah. me to actually care about like maybe checking out yeah. the book the first, book is, the book and is, then watching is, the movie yeah. to see how wrong yeah. they got it. Yeah, yeah. But, it's just because it is it is genuinely if you like '80s stuff and you're a nerd, yeah. Ready Player One is a great book. Yeah, because it's it's just everything. You're like, oh man, because the 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 shtick is the reason that he becomes so good is because he's watched the movie so many times yeah. and literally. The thing that gets him to get the first key and to win is you have to go into Ferris Bueller, the movie, and be Ferris Bueller and act the whole thing out and get every line right. Like, that's that's the thing that mm-hmm. he can do. And it's such a unique thing. Like, you have to know that movie inside and out. Yeah. So it's just a cool, like, it's just a weird, cool, nerdy thing. And so I, but the spectacle of, of the movie is the thing for Ready Player One for me is that I just want that to be real. Like, the idea of virtual reality and mm-hmm. to, like, that excess is, is kind of interesting. So 
Um, but anyways, yeah, I would highly recommend read the book before you watch the movie for Ready Player <laughs> yeah. One. Unless you like Steven Spielberg, because if you like Steven Spielberg, just like the spectacle of Steven Spielberg, then it's Steven enjoyable. Spielberg post Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like yeah, yeah. The- oh, yeah. Oh, this. No, no, like the like. It's just basically an homage to Steven Spielberg is what that movie is. But, like with, but he made the movie. That, I know. He just weird. made an homage to himself. Well, because he could he could use stuff from his so own movies. Weird. So weird. Yeah. Um, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten very far afield with this one. Well, um, I feel like when you're talking about George Lucas, it yeah. makes sense to also talk about Steven Spielberg and James Cameron. Because yeah. when you're talking about iconic directors that sort of have shaped a conversation in science fiction, and it's at the core of the differences in their storytelling and how it's evolved over the years, George Lucas just just hit that sooner than everybody with these prequels. Because he was the first to fall into this trap, which I think in a way has happened like even when you look at James Cameron's storytelling there's a huge difference between Avatar and, and Alien right or Alien or Aliens Aliens yeah, yeah yeah but even though there's VFX and stuff in Aliens right like yeah. and it relies very heavily on that at at its core that story doesn't rely on the spectacle of it it relies on these characters that you love yeah. and these tropes that he plays on and 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 that dynamic but when you get to Avatar it's it really is literally about the spectacle because at its core that story that movie is so, was about 3D. it was about 3d and it was the thing where i remember literally telling my mom i was like why did you go see because she's like i don't understand what the whole like what the whole um the big deal about this movie is i was like well did you see it in 2d or 3d she's like 2d i was like that's it it's because you went to see it at the wrong medium if you just watch it it's kind of I a have, subpar movie i have never watched avatar outside of the movie theater yeah, I saw it like four yeah. times in the movie theater. Yeah, because it's a great spectacle, but yeah, because no at the time, three D yeah. movies were not yeah. good. Yeah, and then here comes Avatar, and it's like I I remember the moment watching it the first time when um they they're on Pandora for the first little bit, and mm-hmm. there's they're like going through the forest, and there are like like light beams coming through, and the light beams are diffused, but in three D. Oh, right. And so it's like it was the first time going to a movie where I was like, this is unbelievable. It's like I'm there. Right. Right. And I like I can remember that vividly of being like, I can't believe they pulled this off. Yeah. It's the one thing that I'll say about the Ghostbusters 2016 movie that they did that was awesome was um, they they shot the movie in anamorphic widescreen. But. Every once in a while, the special effects would break out of the anamorphic widescreen. Uh, oh, because anamorphic is 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 wider than sixteen by nine, right? Oh, okay. So the the movie is actually presented in a sixteen by nine format, but with black bars. Right. I've never yeah. watched it on Blu-ray or on Netflix or anything, so I don't know if you can act if it still does that um, on on a, t- a home. entertainment sort of setup right but in the theater what would happen is like the proton streams would blast out of the frame into the black and i was like that is so cool because it like in 3d when you see Mm -hmm. the movie in 3d it's like it makes the movie pop in this other way that they it made it feel like more of an experience Unfortunately, the rest of that movie is kind of eh, but um, it's not a Ghostbusters movie. That's kind of the biggest problem. But I, yeah, like that, like I was so amazed by that. And it's Mm -hmm. so funny how like 
spectacle can be memorable and it can be important and it can be a very big part of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi is a perfect example of it. If you go back and you watch it, the the Battle of Endor when they realize it's a trap oh, and yeah. then the the Imperial fleet comes around the moon and all the TIE fighters are mm-hmm. coming at the screen. Watch it really carefully. Those TIE fighters, because of the special effects at the time, they don't come from all the way in the in the background oh, yeah, in the they foreground. Pop yeah, they yeah. pop in. Yeah. Like like the there's like 10 in the foreground and they come and they zoom past you and then another 10 and then another 10 and you can kind of watch and like the fourth layer they're just popping in out of nowhere like they're just appearing as if from thin air <laughs> but the spectacle in that movie is so good and the and the performances that go along with it and the story that you're in at that point are all so solid that your brain when you're first watching that movie, or yeah. I would even say for the first like 60 times that you're yeah. watching that movie, which I can say from experience, <laughs> you don't notice it yeah, because you're just like, it's a trap. Yeah. Get out of there. Like, yeah. like we know, we know that it's a, we already knew yeah. it was a trap. We knew it was a trap before it was a trap, Yeah, but like the trap is sprung and Oh no, what's going to happen. Yeah. And even on the 30th time when you know that Lando's going to be fine and yeah. Wedge and him you are going to blow up like, the Death Star. Like, oh, you st- it's yeah. still edge of your seat sort of thing because yeah. the story and the, the the reality of it is so good mm-hmm. that that you just, you're there for the ride. Right. Um, and that you, you forgive the special effects. Whereas you flip that, the story in Ghostbusters is kind of meh. The performances are okay. There's some good jokes in there and stuff. There's some stuff that, that like any Paul Feig movie, it goes on for three minutes too long. Yeah. Um, when she shoots the blaster for the first time, Melissa McCarthy, and it like sh- shoots her all around, yeah. and she like pinballs all over the back alley or whatever. And it's oh, like yeah. they do it like four times. Yes. And it's the, like the, I just hate that kind of humor too. It's not yeah. funny to me. So. It's- fat person fall down not not funny to me chris farley was able to do it and make it funny but that's because he was chris farley and like he was in on the joke melissa mccarthy i feel like she's in on the joke but also like it's it's exploitative she's better than that yeah yeah Right. It's so weird. She started out as Sookie, man. Well, like, she's a great actor. Yeah, she yeah. is a great actor. She started out as an actor. Yeah. And then got shoehorned into this sort of She weird did Bridesmaids. Comedic, yeah, this comedic sort of weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, Fat Person Fall Down. Like, that's, yeah. it's, it's no different than Hitman in Crotch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, these are things that you can do that you, you'll get 70% of the audience to laugh. And if you do it in succession with some other with an actual funny joke, and then you do that as punctuation, you might get a pretty solid. I mean, yeah. Moment. If you do it like it, there's a certain type of punch up humor, yeah. like when it like plays off of something that's yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like you yeah. have like a real like witty like like let's say a movie that has Greg Kinnear in it, right? Yeah. He's a great comedic actor with perfect timing. Uh, like a mystery man, right? So you get him in there and it's like he's giving like a great, like sarcastic, like just disgusting performance. And then and then you kick him in the balls. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> that would be very funny. But if you just put yeah. Seth Rogen yeah. in a room and you just throw a football at his groin, not that uh, funny. Uh, yeah. Not that funny, right? Yeah. Seth Rogen's never done that, by the way. That's, yeah. But I'm saying if you did that, you wouldn't make a successful movie. Um, 
so yeah it's like you have to story should always come first Mm -hmm. characters should always come first and then if you can tell a story about characters that also happens to be about spaceships and giant dogs in mechanical robot (laughs) things like it that's that's a bonus right i I just saw far from home last night the new Mm -hmm. spider-man movie and it's a great example of like characters and story are first and then the rest of the movie is spectacle but the spectacle is only fun because we care about the characters yeah and it's not otherwise it's just cg yeah yeah exactly right and uh, you brought up Jupiter Ascending last week, oh, and yeah. Jupiter Ascending is like so close to a good movie, oh. except for the fact that it's forty-five minutes too long, yeah. and there are ten percent too many characters. In and it. you take it takes exactly an hour and one minute to understand what the motivations of the bad guys are. Yeah, that I I timed it because I was like the moment I found out I was like, wait, how long have I been watching this movie for? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it yes, oh. it's insane, but um. There's actually a lot about that movie that's great. Like, there's a like the visuals are phenomenal. Have you watched it since we've talked? Because I feel like when no, I no, no, I, I watched it. it. Maybe it was. I didn't movie. see it in theaters. I didn't see oh, it yeah. soon after theaters. I watched it one day when I was home. No, it's the City of a Thousand Planets that you haven't seen. Yes, I haven't that's seen that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did. I, there was a day I when I'm sick, when I'm homesick, and like the house like, is empty. My favorite thing to do is to catch up on movies that I didn't think were worth watching yeah. because it's like. Well, I'm not in an optimal viewing. Yeah, you don't want to waste so a either, good viewing experience. Either I'm going to watch Star Wars again. Yeah. Or I'm going to watch something that's like whatever. Yeah. If I fall asleep, yeah. I don't care. Can we talk about the things that I don't like about Return of the Jedi? I guess so. Well, just in the special edition, why did they add the stupid monster in the Sarlacc pit? Like, oh, that I really, love the beak. Really? Yeah, I, I love hate it. it. It's just like. It's now. It's the the like, effect is like dated it, now. It, it reminds but... me of the plant. The man-eating plant from Shop of Feed Horrors. Me yeah, yeah. I just, I don't yeah, know. I guess that's my, mind you, that's my only no that, and then the they ruined the Max Rebo band. I think. Oh the, uh, yeah, I prefer Jedi Rocks yeah. to to the song yeah. that's in the special edition. Yeah, for so. sure. Those are my only two gripes, though. With <laughs> but okay, so you say that, but when's the last time that you actually watched the original sequence? Okay, fine. Right. Yeah. It's not great. Really? It's not great. It's okay. very much just like a thing that's happening in the background. Well, it's because it's supposed to be though. Yeah, it? it's not about that. It's it's the 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 best thing to do is somewhere in between those two. Yeah, I'm updating that scene is a good idea. Updating it the way that they did was a bad idea. Yeah, right. And there's a lot of stuff in there in the special edition that is very much like we can, so we should. Yeah. yeah. So they extend the scene and they put a new song in, and yeah, it's, you know, it's still a good Water. song. I like yeah, the song. Good. I I much prefer I I the end of the original the mm. when it's just Endor. Oh yeah, yeah. Because um, that's that's I mean that's what it is. It, it's this again. Yeah. It's this the scope of storytelling. So that like you get it's going to have consequences throughout the universe. But right now this yeah. is about their particular battle um return of the jedi special edition is the first time we saw coruscant which is yeah so like that was a big deal that that uh coruscant had been mentioned in books but never in the films um we didn't really ever hear anything about the imperial capital um in the movies uh and so yeah when it was added in it was like oh but they saw it because it was at that time right before the third because in the third the prequel is when we see it yeah. In, in uh, Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace? Okay. Yeah, we see Coruscant 
for the, the special first time editions were released before the Phantom Menace. Yeah, oh, 1997, wow. okay. and then Phantom Menace is 99. Right. So Phantom Menace was gearing up for production. Right. So they would have known as what they it was, were doing what it looked edition. like, and built yeah. it. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. It, it's it's it is weird. It's kind of like shoehorned in there is like yeah, a, I don't know. I just not. Yeah, you know, like showing Bespin and showing Tatooine, yeah. and it's like. It doesn't it doesn't make sense yeah. i think for me that's the biggest thing is that like yeah the empire sucks we all agree that the empire sucks and and obviously like mm-hmm. a lot of the galaxy was subjugated but the imperial homeworld <laughs> would not be like instantly like that day yeah. like oh let's tear down the statue of yeah palpatine right um they have no reason they they have zero reason to dislike the empire. They're a bunch of wealthy aristocrats, yeah, living in the lap of luxury. Now there are levels underneath the surface of Coruscant where the poor people live that is established in the Clone Wars. So I mean, like I'm now like I'm being yeah, very like yeah. push up but my nerd still, glasses yeah, yeah. while I talk about this. But but like yeah, the people on the surface, like if you really think about that, like. They have everything to lose yeah, yeah. in that. And eventually they are no longer the capital of the galaxy. Yeah. It becomes, uh, uh, shoot, what's the planet that gets blown up in the next movie? Um, the system, the Hosnian system. Hosnian oh. Prime becomes the capital, oh, right? The seat one? of the Senate. No, in The Force Awakens. Oh, Hosnian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so nice. uh, that's the, the, the seat of the New Republic, right? Right. So, um yeah it, it, they like i said they had everything to lose there yeah. there's a lot of really great uh expanded universe like the new material the 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 legend stuff is good too but like there's new stuff that that actually like delves into the dynamic one of the best things is unfortunately contained within battlefront 2 yeah. which is a terrible video game to play but uh but but has a really great story about a character who was an imperial mm. who eventually turns and, and joins the the rebellion. Cool. But uh, yeah. anything left to say? Because we got to wrap it up, or we're gonna not I, be able to upload yeah, this. I don't think so. I mean, where do we I, rank it? I feel. I feel. You rank it at number one. I do. Yeah, it's it's my number one movie. So yeah, yeah. I mean, for all of the reasons I said about it being definitive Star Wars, I have to rank it at number one mm-hmm. thus far. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Next week will probably be the place where we start to have an actual we'll have a conversation about an actual it, debate back and forth yeah. um so yeah it's the ranking is uh in what we're at six movies now right okay. so number six is the phantom menace mm-hmm. and then uh, uh five is attack of the clones followed by revenge of the sith <laughs> followed by a new hope followed by empire and number one return of the jedi yeah. i will say that the empire's new hope debate was a was a big one yeah and that's still a but yeah. yes it is it is in reverse sequential order yeah so because uh, it's just it's return of it's a return of the jedi i just yeah i love it it's great um cool so uh we'll be off next week but then we'll be back the week after to talk about the force awakens mm-hmm. which will be fun because we don't have nearly as much history with that movie as no. we do with the other six movies we've talked about and i also did just watch it recently for yeah. funsies so maybe i'll watch it again. um yeah, yeah and, uh, and with whatever other geeky news we'll have to talk about. But uh, until then, 
You can check out all the other great podcasts uh, on thunderquack.com. So head over there, check that out. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thunderquack on Twitter at thunderquacknet and on uh, Instagram at thunderquackpodcast. You can also follow us individually. I'm at aconkin, A-K-O-N-K-I-N. That's on Twitter. And uh, aconkin86 is me on Instagram. And I'm at arkwolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and if you like what you hear, you can support us in two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merchandise. Uh, and uh, second, by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support. Uh, if you have pledged at the $10 or above level, know that I am working on the illustration for, oh, yeah, for, the, uh, for the first Thunderquack monthly. quarterly that's going to go out. Um I think we're going to have some special Comic-Con stuff. I want to do some exclusive Comic-Con stuff for the Patreon supporters, too, because I'm going to go. There's so many things that I've been invited to, and I'll see what sort of fits for the network and what would be like some special content, because I'm so excited we get access to the press room. So I'll like break it down and be like, okay, Mike, this is stuff that can go out for the regular podcast, and this is Patreon. I'm so excited for Comic-Con. Cool. Um, Yeah, that is. When is Comic-Con? The 17th, the weekend of the 17th of July. Okay. I don't know if the 17th is the Thursday or the Friday or the Saturday, but it's... The it's 17th the... is a Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going then on the 17th until the 20th, I guess. So uh, the 17th is the press preview day and, okay. or the preview day, and then it's, so it starts on the 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st. Perfect. So we'll be able to record on the 15th and on the 22nd. Yeah. And 22nd saw, will be our last yeah, episode yeah, yeah. until uh, until we oh, come right. back for Arrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, which is a terrible thing to say as we're promoting Patreon because it's like you're going to sign up for Patreon and then the regular episodes with Amanda and I won't be coming out. I feel we can release said, maybe some Comic-Con stuff during that time. We'll, like we'll have content yeah. that's yeah. exclusive for Patreon supporters. Um, yeah. It might not be on the weekly schedule, but we'll mm-hmm. have stuff. I just probably won't have anything to do with it because it's August is going to be a leap. little bit rough for yeah. you. But yeah. Um, yeah, August, September. Rough in the best way because you oh, get yeah, a new yeah. baby. Oh, yeah, I just won't have time for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, patreon.com slash thunderquack, uh, go over there and pledge your support. Thank you to everybody who does and, uh, uh, keep an eye on your mailboxes and in two instances, your physical mailbox Ooh. for, uh, for the thunderquack quarterly, okay. which will, I, I hope that everybody will be able to have it by the end of July. That's yeah, be good. pretty yeah. realistic. I've already started yeah. the illustration. Nice. It's uh, may or may not have something to do with uh, the movie that I saw last night. So <laughs> I, I'll post some previews for the, for the people who are, uh, nice. who are going to expect to receive stuff. Um, cool. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. It's a trap. It's the worst delivery of that line. I ever. know. Okay. But I was like, I'm like, what can I use? And I was like, oh, that's the, it's iconic. Because I can't use May the Force Be With You again. Although that should just be what it is for all of Star Wars. I shouldn't have. <laughs>